Welcome back to Prescribing Truth with Jamal Bandit. I'm Jamal Bandit. Of course, if it's your first time listening or if you'd like to um, like to, please subscribe to this channel and therefore you'll be notified when we have new content. Also, uh, you can uh, listen to this on your podcast apps of various different kinds from Google Play, such radio and iTunes, so on and so forth. Uh, please leave a rating and a review. This really helps the show get placement. Um, if you'd like to connect with me, you can do so by emailing me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com or calling in at 801-980-6333. If you'd like to support this ministry, um, if it's just a dollar, you know, a dollar goes a long way. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can do so at the link in the description as well as the one that's scrolling across the bottom here at prescribed, I mean, patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth. Uh, we didn't have the pre-show today. Uh, I just got back home. Uh, you know, busy getting the kids and the wife from work and everything like that. So I'm sorry about that, patrons. We didn't have the we didn't have the pre-show today, but I will be available for the post-show for those of you who want to do that. Um, but that's what you do for do for just a dollar. You can be uh, take part in the pre-show, and there's a post-show afterwards. We can just chop it up and whatnot. So, yep, that's just one of the things. Also, um, let's see, you get a shout out and so on and so forth. Anywho. Um, this is part three of responding to uh, Eric Mason's interview on the Drew Three pod, uh, podcast. I'm super encouraged today, by the way, um, for a number of reasons. One of which is tomorrow's my birthday. So um, I'm thankful for that. And with that being said, for those who are watching live, that's cool. Um, I may or may not get around to uploading this tomorrow. That is the plan to have it still uploaded. But I may not. We'll see. So I'll be turning 30. So really thankful, really grateful to the Lord for being able to see another year. Um, just so, just so thankful, man. Like just looking at everything in hindsight, as far as anything I could complain about and everything else, it just doesn't compare because I don't deserve today. I don't deserve to, to see tomorrow, but by God's grace, I will if He allows. So I'm just really thankful for that. Um, three, thirty years—that's uh, three decades. <laughs> Nathan said, "I'm an old man." <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I certainly feel like it because somebody asked me today what I'm what I'm gonna do for my birthday and I was like man I just want to chill like I ain't trying to worry about no party nothing like that like um, wifey's gonna take me out to eat I'm really thankful for that so go to eat something but other than that I just kind of want to chill out and sleep that's what I want to do um, but yeah also another before we get into the content this right here behind me uh, you guys don't know but I'm in my dining room. And I usually have, like, stands up that's holding this thing up, this background. And, man, it was an eyesore. It had to stay up because it's a headache to put it up. So it stayed up forever, and therefore my wife didn't have her dining room. But now I had this stand that collapsed. So when I get done tonight, I'll be able to just collapse it with ease and just be able to put it away all nice and neat. Oh, everybody's happy, 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 happy. All right, um, so yeah, I'm really thankful for that as well. That's from the support of the patrons. That right there was, like, thank y'all, man. Like, see, it's progress. Like, the microphones, everything else is, like, just really growing this to be something. Man, I really thank you guys for what you do and your support. Um, yeah, so let's get into this. Um, I, once again, not trying to be long with this, uh, <laughs> this, um, this interview. There's a couple points I do want to make that I feel is problematic. I'm not going to be nitpicking with this. Uh, that may be something I miss. If there's anything you see in here that I miss that I could have expounded on more, um, please comment and everything and leave your input. I really appreciate it. I received a phone call today from somebody who really encouraged me, um, like not even in Georgia, somebody um, in South Carolina uh, or North Carolina one, but called me today on, on the number and just we chopped it up for a minute. It's really been encouraged by the videos um, for this series that we're doing concerning these things and this topic. 
Um, it's really affecting our local churches. It really is. And so it's just really, it's really cool to, to have somebody call um, and just encourage you to continue to, you know, to keep doing what you're doing. It's really encouraging. So um, I hope these things really do help you guys. Um, you know, I really do appreciate you guys' feedback. So, uh, yeah, let's let's just jump into this, okay? I hope the volume is okay. If it happens, if, if the volume happens to be too loud, um, please let me know, and I'll try to turn it down. Um, but other than that, I'm going to try to just keep it rolling, all right? All right, so, all right, appreciate that. Worked out those kinks, so the sound is good. All right. All right, so um, I'm just going to start it back from where we began at and go from there. Motivates us as God being the ultimate philanthropist in, in his motivation to save us. And so let the gospel motivate us in fruitful gospel actions of good works in our city. So that, for me, that's, that's where the framework comes from, and that's where it goes, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I like how you broke that down. I think, um, I know in um, Raphael Warnock's book, The Divided Mind of the Black Church, he talks about yeah. tension where black churches either focus on the slavery of sin or the sin of slavery. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it seems like for your framework and me watching your ministry that you want us to do both. Uh, that personal piety is important, but seeking justice um, is important as well. Speaking against yeah. people, not not jettisoning the fact that you have to live, uh, as my mom say, holiness is still right. Okay, so right here, this is a, a part I want to comment on first. Um, slavery of sin and the sin of slavery. And so what I was saying before was, I wonder if this statement was made because they feel like people in most churches aren't talking about slavery as being sin enough. Because my thing is, if a church is teaching on the slavery of sin, then it covers all of those things that are sinful. That is, that's my understanding. And so uh, you may have a church that focuses on talking about slavery a whole lot as far as being sin. And my guess is that that would be the predominantly black church. And then you have the predominantly white churches that are just talking about the slavery of sin. And so she's saying that Eric Mason is trying to bridge the gap and saying we should do both. My thing is, those who's preaching on the slavery of sin, not slavery, yeah, the, yeah, the slavery of sin, then they are doing both because that covers everything else. Because we're if if that's the, if they're teaching that, then they're teaching what the Bible says that we're all under bondage in sin. We're slaves to sin until we're freed by the Son of God, right? Till we're free by the Holy Spirit, we're born again. Until then, we are bound to sin. That's, that's what the scriptures say. And so, I, I, I feel like that's the only reason why that statement was made or made to be relevant. It's because they feel like people aren't talking about it enough. So, my thing is, there are so many things that America is guilty of other than slavery. So many other things. What's present in our country now is dealing with abortion, sex trafficking, and so on and so forth. These things are currently happening. They're current, there are current evils in our culture that are happening now. Same-sex marriage, um, talking about uh, gender equality and all that kind of stuff like that, or um, transgenderism and all that stuff. Like We have all these things that are present currently 
laws that are protecting these things that are wicked. And that, that's what needs to be discussed and talked about. And that's all under the slavery of sin. But because they're not talking about something that happened years ago enough. Now, the whole argument is because what happened years ago still affects us today. Well, that's, that's with anything. That's with anything. If, if a catastrophe happens, it lasts a long time. The results of it, the remnants of it lasts a long time. The effects of it last a long time. The trauma of it lasts a long time. Those things can happen. And it's okay to talk about them. But I'm not looking for that to be the focus of every Sunday, of our, every Sunday message. Because the gospel is key. What is the thing that's going to fix the sinful hearts of, of those white men who enslaved blacks wrongfully and beat them and everything else? The gospel, the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to change those things, not laws and, and all those things like that. You know, that's what's going to change the gospel. You know, and so and even then, you know, just as well as I know, if you're honest with yourself, that you if you are a believer, you know, the gospel. And yet you still struggle with sin. And we feel that there are some sins that you just like, they're unpardonable. They're unpardonable sins. Like if you struggle with this particular sin, then there's no way you could have been a Christian. But the sin I struggle with, well, I struggle because I'm, you know, I'm in its flesh. But you should struggle with this sin because you're a Christian. Like, no, that's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that we're all wicked. You know, we're all in need of God saving us, changing our hearts, changing our minds. And justification happens in that moment, but sanctification lasts a lifetime. And even when we die, there's no guarantee that everything that we deal with will be fixed before we pass. But we do know that when he comes, we'll be like him. That's what the scripture teaches. So, um. I just don't get that part. And so if I, if I, if I spend the majority of this time just ramping on that, that's probably what it'd be, y'all, because I don't understand why that's a thing. You know, you're trying to get us to do both. People are doing both just by preaching the gospel. I, I'm, I just feel like I should ride that horse. Because I'm like, what are, you, what are you saying? Like, what is, what is, what are you hearing people preach? Like when they preach the gospel, are they not preaching on the depravity of man, the, the sinfulness of man, their need to repent, their need to trust in Christ, knowing that our works don't save us. So our turning from sin does not save us, but it's a result of the salvation. Like, and even then, y'all, like I said, we're not going to be perfect. Slavery of sin. Like that is teaching both. So. If y'all feel like that was the rant and everything else, sorry, but I think that's important. The gospel is key. And I know there are some people who say, well, you shouldn't deal with you know, stuff out there. You should just preach the gospel. Well, you should preach the gospel. And then preaching the gospel should affect some change in your heart and how you deal with people. You know? But, um, anywho. Oh, uh, she said, she mentioned something about, um, Oh, no, I just said we should do both. We should be care about justice and all those things. Yes. And we talked about this before. I don't want to keep going down that road. You know, so we just disagree with what you call injustice. Like, that's it. You know, 
So we would agree that we should stand for justice and all that stuff, but we just should disagree on what you define as just and unjust. That's all. And not everything, just some of the things. And that's what's causing the division. All right, let's continue. <laughs> um, explain how those two work together and that we shouldn't. Oh, the whole thing about, you know, like mom, I don't know if she said mother or grandmother, but it's like uh, that holiness is still right. Like, so, yeah, it is. So because you have churches who are not going out and talking about all this activism and everything else, they're not teaching holiness. I just don't understand the connection that's being made between all this. Why is that a thing to put out there? Why is that relevant? I don't understand. Um, yeah. So that's all I'm gonna say on that. Um, jettison either side of those. Well, um, personal piety really alone. I mean, we see from the monastic community, you know, those who retreated from culture. You know, it didn't work. You know, they thought, well, if we retreat from culture, we'll just not be a part of it. But in, in in American Christianity, we do have a form of public monasticism by which we basically pursue piety. We do women's book studies, men's book studies, and it's all about my soul and my family. And we become extremely ingrown. Those things are important, but they're supposed to be builders and motivators and equipping mechanisms to be able to re reproduce that in the world. So I think in the Bible, like in, in America. I mean, I'm going to stop right here. Now, I do know of, I do know some people who, who aren't focused on any kind of evangelism, who um, when they go to, the, when they go to work or ABNC or their neighborhoods and so on and so forth, they're not really, that, that part doesn't really get them. They, they are focusing more on family, like, hey, I gotta, you know, I gotta contribute being a husband, gotta contribute being a wife, and so on and so forth. So, I get the sentiment, but what kills me about this is because the narrative that's given is that this is all that's happening. So, because nobody is standing for what he believes is be unjust, then people are mostly just dealing with my own soul. So, no one's so so going to the abortion clinic. And evangelizing is just that doesn't count. Standing against sex trafficking that doesn't count, as we saw in other video. I mean, yeah, earlier in the interview, that he's like, "Hey, you stand for these things, but then you over here don't want to worry about these things." So obviously, these things don't count because if you're not doing activism over here, then you're basically just only caring about yourself and your own personal piety, you know. And, and that's what I disagree, you know, wholeheartedly. And I think he knows that, but it's to push this narrative, you know. And so, and also, with personal piety and with you, you know, having those studies, those women's studies and everything else, that equips people to go out. So when they do engage, so yes, he says they are important, but they're not only important, they are essential. The New Testament, Paul talks about the women teaching younger women. He ain't talking about, he's not talking about women out there in the world. He's talking about other believing women to love their husbands. So you have a women's study. You see him talking about teaching children, the young women, to do this and do that. You know, so teaching children to obey their parents, so on and so forth. You got dealing with young people. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you got Paul talking about 
singleness and so on and so forth. So all these things going on within the New Testament to believers, and they are essential. These are things that are needed for the Christian life, accountability and so on and so forth. And they are means of holiness, which is going to say later on. Like, this is a means of grace from God. And so I hate that it's made like it's such a small thing because it's not looking at this bigger thing of activism that I feel people should be doing. And that's, you know, that's my whole gripe with that. We're didactic. The Bible is more symphonic than it is didactic. It's like the things that we parse out, make charts out of, the Bible sort of makes it two sides of the same coin. So what I, I'll give you an example. The word, the same word in the Old Testament and the New Testament for righteousness is the same word for justice. Context just lets you know how to be translated, or it can be a double entendre in a context that lets you know both are 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 being in in the mind of the writer in that particular place. I'll give you an example. All right. So, in some cases, so so like they share the same root word. You know, and in some cases, the way it's translated in English, some English translations may have the word for uh, justice being righteousness and vice versa, um, depending on its context. And that's just how, you know, the Hebrew and Greek work, so on and so forth. So that's cool. I, you know, no big deal there. When you talk about, um, you know, th this whole idea of righteousness points to intrinsic good. Um, and justice in that same word, extrinsic action. In, in other words, intrinsic piety, extrinsic justice, action, commitment, application, transformation type stuff. And so when you even see Jesus talk about the word, he's using the word that means, that has that two-sided sort of meaning. Um, and I don't disagree with that. You let me know what you think in the comments, but I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, if you're if you're standing for justice, then you are standing for righteousness as well, and therefore you must have a sense of righteousness. If we're if we're talking about um, going being the standard of being God's law, so anything outside of God's law is unrighteousness, and therefore it will be unjust. And so therefore, yes, yes, I would, we would agree with that. There'll be no disagreement there. What's always the case is what you consider to be unjust what you consider for us to be applying this righteousness to or this justice to that is the disagreement not the actual word and what it means no disagreement there and so i think that it's very very important that we understand that the righteous justice has within it the framework of us pursuing god pursuing holiness Pursuing the means of grace to help us to grow prayer. We get in the word. We get in biblical community, local church, under spiritual authority. Um, if you want to include church discipline, all those different things are mechanisms for holiness. Suffering, mechanism for holiness. Marriage, mechanism for holiness. Godly singlehood, mechanism for holiness. So forth and so on, right? But then you have to say, okay, instead of being an ingrown toenail, this should motivate me to now. That's what the B attitudes is about. B attitudes that Jesus preached. It was both intrinsic and extrinsic, you know, um, because that's why he said, blessed are the peacemakers. So it, it's because spiritual formation should always find its way into practically showing off that fruit in the earth. So I think it does.
It does. It has. It will continue to. I don't understand what the issue is. It's just all because people aren't doing what he and others who think like him believe they should be doing. Last week, we discussed, so he's talking about how this word, the scripture is supposed to have us go out and do good works. Going from Titus. I'm like, it does. Because we do good works. We do what the scriptures teach. And so here he says, hey, you know, you do all these things. It's, you know, you, you, you grow on these things, our mechanisms for holiness, all these things in your life. You know, but don't become an ingrown toenail. Which those things are painful, by the way. So don't become an ingrown toenail. This should have you go out and like and um and produce good fruits out there in the world. It does. Even with the individual who may not go evangelize as much as the next person does, he's still producing fruit. Because the people who see him, because of all those things he's learning intrinsically concerning righteousness, concerning God's righteousness, God's holiness, and so on and so forth, does permeate when he goes in the workplace. Does permeate, it should, <laughs> does permeate when he goes in the workplace, when he, he or she goes to school or college, whatever the case may be. It does. Because people see that. It happens, it, it shows in the conversations. It shows in all those things. In their patience, in the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering. Everybody's losing their mind. And this person just got a peace that surpasses all understanding. I mean, all these things, they do show. But it's because it's, they're not doing what some would think they should do. And that's what's making the big deal. So, but then, a couple of videos ago, you know, he said, hey, whatever you find to do, like whatever it is that you can do, you do those things, you know, like that's why are we having a conversation then? Because it seems like everybody's doing what he's saying. I don't know. Anyway, got a couple more. I'm about to do like a, a few more of this, uh, a few more seconds of this. So, and uh, go for that. Let's see what, what the next point he make, and go from there. I think that's very very important. Yes, and and I loved how you mentioned um, church. Um, attendance and being submitted to uh, a local church and attending a local church because in this in our culture when we when we become woke uh, we we feel like we're too woke for a church. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That I think is important. Yeah, uh, that you be that no matter how much information you have or access to information through podcasts or anything, you yeah. should be committed to a local church. And I know Absolutely. that's one of your heartbeats as a pastor, um, that people, that it, being woke also means attending the church. Um, Amen. Amen. What other things would you uh, like to share with our audience about your book? Um, when we think about people are struggling with this term that some some white evangelicals have said, if you're, so, if you're into justice, you're Marxist. Um, <laughs> which is so extreme. Um, uh, does your yeah, she's gonna access this book, address this. So, I think it's a good place to, to stop her because I'm finna um go on a rant. Um, <laughs> what's that next? It says, When I became woke in Christ, I became committed to Christ. 
Hey man, <laughs> alive. But, um, so this whole idea that when you stand for justice, you're called a Marxist. No, no, not the case. No, if you believe that, if you watch this video and you are on the side of Eric Mason and Luke Jude three and so on and so forth, then you're not listening. You're doing the same thing you're accusing the other side of doing, not listening. Because no one is calling you a Marxist because you stand for justice. I mean, that would be absurd. Oh, somebody, somebody gets raped. We should, we should talk against this. We should, we should go and make sure that person gets prosecuted and stands for justice. Oh, you a Marxist. You stop that. Like, nobody's doing that. Stop it. Stop it. It's what you're deeming to be unjust. Not because you stand for justice. So we have to define justice. Not look in the scriptures and see that justice and righteousness are the same root word. But to understand what does God say in his word concerning what is righteous and what is just. That's it. That's it. We discuss that. I promise you, we, look, we come to the word of God and let the word be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. We go to the word, we'll see that. I believe we would. Well, how does God define justice? No one's calling anyone a Marxist because they stand for injustice. No, it's what you deem to be unjust. Um, keep saying that because that's what the truth is. So, income inequality, they deem that to be an injustice. No, that's not an injustice. God never saw it as an injustice. That's what it is. There are disparities. There always will be disparities. There were disparities in the Bible days and so on and so forth. That's not an injustice. What else? He's going to mention about equal opportunity. I love that I heard someone say that, now I would say the equal opportunity exists because everyone has an opportunity to get something. But I do like the, the point this um, individual made. Uh, he said that, well, I can I can see where equal opportunity doesn't exist because some people are stupid, some people make bad decisions, some people are bad, some some people are rich, some people are poor, so they may not have the opportunities of others because of those things, those nuances, which makes sense. And so I was like, hmm, what do you do with that? That's the truth. I mean, there's the opportunity to purchase a house over here, but I won't have the opportunity because I don't have the money nor the credit or whatever the case may be. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That, that would be the thing. But somebody else who does, regardless of their skin color, they have that. They have the opportunity to do it. I don't have the opportunity because I don't have those things. And so, you, I mean, that's just an example. And so, yeah, um, that's all that is. And, and t until people realize that, then we're going to keep having this discussion over and over again. And we'll never get any further because we keep going down the same road and not reaching this clear understanding. And it's a clear understanding. So, Marxism, communism, the whole thing, regardless you say they should read this and read that, which he's going to say later on, regardless of you read this book, that book, A, B, and C, the generalized understanding of what Marxism is is simply this. You got the poor and you have the rich. 
the poor, the ones who's working, the working class, they work hard, they work hard, they work hard, and they have they live check by check, and so on and so forth. And it seems like they're not getting anywhere. That's them. You know, do you have the elite, the ones who the ones who pay the workers who don't have to work, they actually make their living off of what the workers do. So you have this, and this is a problem in Marxism. Marxism says no, everybody should have the same. Everybody should have the same um income and so on and so forth. That's where that comes in at. So therefore you don't have the two dividing class. Everybody's the same. The thing is, somebody will always have more than somebody else. That's why Marxism never works. That's why countries that have communist um uh, uh systems and how they deal with a uh, market, they they're all they're in bad and they're in bad ruts. They are. If they if they aren't now, they will be. That's just the way it always goes. And it'll end up going back to capitalism. That's just how it is. You know, and so, yeah. So when you push and say that, for as this whole narrative is, that blacks aren't making as much as whites. You got whites making more than blacks and so on and so forth. So you're looking for income equality. You see elites and you see the working class. And you want them all to make the same. That's Marxism. So, that's that. Um, yeah. So that's that. I'm, I'm going to pause there because after this, he's going to go into the reading, you know, reading this book and that book, A, B, and C. And I'll go on my tangent about that then. All right. So, um, let me take this out. Okay. So, uh, once again, thank you for joining me for this episode of Prescribing True. Please leave your comments below. Even if you disagree, if you want to call me and we can have uh, a chit-chat about it or whatnot, long as respectful, I'm cool. If you'd like to support the ministry, please do on Patreon. Uh, remember to subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and that's it. Remember, in a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. Oh, and I will be available for the post-show patrons. Prescribe truth, we giving you what the doctor ordered Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant We undeserve it, but Christ changed our mind frame In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth